This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Feels CBD. Feels is a better way to feel better. For 50% off your first order plus free shipping, go to feels.com slash nomeat. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash nomeat. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Nomeat Athlete Radio. Now you'll be pleased to uh, to hear that I want to kick this episode off with a downward facing Doug. <laughs> We're bringing it back. I could not be more pleased. <laughs> for those who who maybe haven't been loyal listeners for the last I don't know when was the last downward facing Doug? It was probably five years ago. Five five years. Yeah, this <laughs> is a. <laughs> we started as a way for me to just like uh, talk about something that I I was. Um, that I looked down on yeah, <laughs> or frustrated about. And then it, little, just, it just basically turned into rant. me ranting about uh, rant, ranting about businesses and cable guys and stuff like that. Yeah, it turned into you like, it was like your threat for uh, if you were getting bad service by your internet company, you would you would tell them, <laughs> well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to call you out on our podcast and then you would, then you would do that. <laughs> Very effective. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely worked every time. Yeah. Uh, All right. Now this, this is, this is going to the... be a little little bit of this, but uh, but a mo- little bit of that, but mostly a bigger kind of philosophical question. Okay. All right. So let me do a little setup here. I uh, I went down, or I I did my first solo road trip in a really really long time, uh, a couple weeks ago. Went up to my mom's in Virginia, which is you know maybe five five and a half hours. You know, not a huge road trip or anything like that, but. Um, to go without the family, without the wife, it was, uh, I don't know, it's just been a really long time since I've done that. And, um, and so since I've kind of, uh, since we don't, we don't, we haven't jumped on the fast food, the vegan fast food train very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, not, not for any reason, except that we just don't, uh, happen to find ourselves eating those places very much, uh, or a need to, um, I was like, all excited the days yeah. leading up to it i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna hit up every single new spot i'm gonna try all the new stuff it's, yeah right um and uh and you know even like you know i've had some impossible whoppers but it's actually been a long while it's been well over a year or more so i was like i'm just gonna get that i'm gonna get the beyond uh chicken at kfc i'm mm-hmm. gonna hit up taco bell anyway had all this whole plan map out every <laughs> every single meal for these road trips and and some um and uh on the way back, I was was my KFC day, <laughs> and uh, I I did this. You know, I made I made the mistake of not actually like looking up where a KFC would be until I was on the road. You know, I was looking at the signs on the exit signs, and right. I would pull off and um, you know take the exit, and then they have the sign of how far away it is. You know, it yeah. tells you yeah. how many miles, and and for three in a row, uh, it was like over three miles. And, and I have this kind of rule that if it's, if it's more than a mile, like it's not worth yeah, it. Yeah. Right. In general. But yeah. so by the time I like pull it off three times, it's like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. I should just go for it. So I went, drove the Wait, three hold, miles. Hold on. So you don't, so you, I guess you don't just use like a, a Google maps thing and then just put it, search a long route and find how many minutes off the route the next. No, I was just, I was, I was, man, I was free. I didn't have any. Okay. You weren't even using the map. I wasn't even using, I was just looking at exit signs when okay. I started getting hungry mm-hmm. and, and it, you know, there'd be a little KFC logo there and I'd be like, okay, this is the one I'm going to pull off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and no, it was like too far away. So, uh, this was the third time I'd, I had literally like gotten the exit off and had to get back on. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. Drove the three miles to the KFC, pull up to the drive through. What do you know? 
They don't have Beyond Chicken. Oh, like apparently it was like a little. It was like a a a chess thing. I thought it was like this new, similar to the Whopper, where they're rolling it out. Yeah, I thought I did too. But no, apparently, I mean, maybe it's at some places still, but no, apparently they rolled it way back. And uh, and so my downward facing Doug is both at the fact that I missed that opportunity to try it, but also, do you think? All right, do you think that? It's doing the whole movement <laughs> or the whole like concept of of of, of uh, animal free plant based meats at fast food restaurants a disservice by having them be just like this trial thing. Like, I understand that a, you know a company like as large as KFC, you know they gotta roll things out. You know it's a lot of investment. You know, but they can do that in, in individual shops and see how it works. But when you just do it for a week, like the average person who's going and eating at KFC is going to see that and probably not get it. Like it would have to be a repetition thing. Like they see it, they're like, okay, I'll try that. And then they like it. And then, so then they keep doing it, you know, and keep choosing the plant-based meat. You know, if you just roll it out for a month, then the only people you're going to get are the vegans that are just stoked about it and want to try it because they can and then it's going to be gone, and then those people are never going to come back again. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, I think, I think perhaps you're right. I, I don't think the net effect is that it's a disservice. I think probably it's a minor inconvenience for people like you. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is this is a this is a big disservice to the community. I stand by that. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I I don't know about that. Um, I kind of feel like it's there's stuff they got to do to get it to you know we got to jump through a bunch of hoops. You got to prove prove yourself at each level that this is ready for prime time. Yeah, I it just it feels I was just disappointed. It felt like a marketing play to get a bunch of attention and then you take it away, but you right. didn't actually convince any of anyone to. I mean, I know that their goal is not to get to convince people to eat less chicken, right? That's our goal. That's not their goal. <laughs> Um, right, but uh, you know, you're 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 not like growing your user base by having a, a media, you know, kind of a media frenzy for a little bit in the vegan community, and some and a bunch of people maybe go buy it. I don't know. I was just uh, maybe this this sounded like a better downward facing dog in my head. Sounds like you were <laughs> really really hungry and really craving some KFC Beyond Chicken, and then <laughs> you couldn't get it, and then you thought, how can I how can I bash KFC for this? <laughs> just like this is no different from charter internet back in 2017 <laughs> uh, yeah you're probably right <laughs> all right but so here's the thing as you've been talking i was kind of googling this because i i had never heard that it was a testing thing um and by the way i've had similar disappointment i uh when i went drove to richmond a few months ago it was almost a year ago now um all the hype was uh, it was about the Oh my gosh, I forget the name of the place. It was Orange Chicken at uh, Panda Express. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like a Beyond Chicken or, or some kind of vegan chicken. Um, and I went and waited in line, and then you know, and they have nothing else. I mean, that's, uh, I'm sure if you've really tried, you might find something. But like, I've I've made the mistake of trying to go there before, and you just can't find anything vegan, which is shocking for like an Asian style yeah, restaurant. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was. I was I was similarly disappointed then, and that one it turned out was like there was all the social media hype about it and people posting photos on Instagram and everything, but like it was only in a couple markets like L.A. and somewhere oh, really? else. Yeah. So anyway, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know about the KFC thing. That's that's interesting. This says I mean I just found an article from Good Morning America in January that said it would hit menus nationwide. Yeah, limited time menu item. Okay, so I guess it was only out for a little while. Um, yeah, that is quite a bummer. I'm I don't think it's a disservice to the to the community, but <laughs> I I do think it's a bummer. Uh, but hopefully it was hopefully it's good enough. The response was good enough that it'll come back. I mean, this happened with the possible Whopper, right? It was tested for a while. I don't think so. I think they just brought it. They just went for it. And I think so. And then it just stayed. I kept expecting it to to leave and uh, and eat, wanting to buy right. it just to like to help support it. Um, I wonder if this test. I mean, they call it a limited time test, but I wonder why they. I wonder why they don't run these tests in a way where they just keep it on the menu until it proves that it's not good enough, and then and get right. rid of it. I don't really know. Uh, I mean, it has to be a hype thing, just like the the McRib or whatever that. You know, they bring back for certain seasons. Yeah, right. I used yeah. to love that McRib. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. It's the grossest thing, but I used to love that. I don't know if I've ever had one. You know what I... So, I, we know what I was appreciative of um, with uh, with Burger King was... Um, so, I I think the last time I got an Impossible Opera was, was when it was still, like, all over the signage and they were making a big deal out mm-hmm. of it. Yep, and now it's just a it's just a, a like a menu item, and yeah. it, they don't you know it's it, it, it not and it's one of the number six or whatever you know it has like a number and then it's just that and then it's alongside everything else, and it felt it felt kind of natural to order it you know. Yep, I I've kind of noticed the same thing that uh, like it, it, at the beginning it wasn't eligible for a lot of the different promotions and things like you couldn't use it you couldn't get the if you found a cheap Whopper coupon you couldn't use it for that. Uh, and maybe that's still the case, but but like, at some point, one time I got two of them, not both for me, but uh, <laughs> we ordered two, and it came out to be way cheaper than I expected. And I was like, "Are you sure that's right?" And they said, "Oh, it's part of this, you know, two for X dollars Whopper deal." Mm-hmm. And so I was happy. I just, yeah, it just they don't. It's definitely not a weird thing to order. Like, no, they don't look at you weird or or, you know, like like when I went to uh, Panda Express and ordered beyond chicken and they didn't have it i felt like an idiot like they were like what, what, like what are you talking about <laughs> uh but no you don't feel that way with with burger king uh-huh yeah yeah and that's and that's what i'm saying is the downward facing duck right if, if kfc would just roll it out and just have it be part of the menu mm-hmm. then uh then people would actually order it but now like it was this thing and you weren't sure and it was only there for a couple of weeks and then yep. i'm just saying they missed out they missed out on on a it's, better it's marketing out, strategy. Outrage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, nothing radio is outraged at this. We're outraged. <laughs> no, I think this is good. I, I'm glad. I like the return of Downward Facing Doug. I think I think I'm always going to uh, question <laughs> them. But maybe that's just what the segment is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's you looking downward on Doug. Maybe that's what it is. You just... Uh... Yes. No, but uh, an Upward Facing Doug here um, got, uh, or to Doug's delight, Oh, there we go. Um, we we are bringing back the phone number. I know. I like this. Bringing back all these old segments. Mm-hmm. The one eight hundred flowers. No, the Subway Fresh Subway. Take Hotline is back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, ironic yes. because Subway used to be my, one of my go to travel foods, and it is now like bottom of the list. Definitely. I don't ever ever go to Subway anymore. Yeah, uh, I, just I not, feel the same. Just not way. good. It seems fake. The bread seems fake. The, the food doesn't. The, the veggies don't seem to go. Plus, too, too much variability, restaurant to restaurant in Subway. More than any other 
food chain I've never been in. Hmm. Like you can find good subways and you can find horrible, awful subways. Often they're part of gas stations, the bad ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're just there's major difference in quality. So I can't go to that. Um, <laughs> so this is not actually a sponsor, but <laughs> Subway. But if they wanted to sponsor us, then maybe we'd have a change of heart. Um, yes, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps we would. <laughs> uh, you know, Subway was the first uh, restaurant. There's still it still gets some traffic, I believe. Um, Subway, uh, they did, they rolled out some some. That's right. Uh, they were probably vegetarian meats. That was vegetarian at the time. I don't know. You wrote, yeah, you wrote an article about like three, they were trying three different new uh-huh. vegan subs, I think. I don't think they were vegetarian. I think it was veg- you vegan. You think they were vegan? I think they, so. Because I found out in the process, somehow I learned that the veggie patty was actually not vegan, and I had been getting that. Uh, uh, I don't know if that, they still had the veggie patty, but it was kind of good, but it's not vegan, so I, I stopped getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they were, yeah, they were trying out these three subs in a test market in D.C., and I was living there, and so I went and wrote a blog post on it, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still find it, although I don't. It'd be kind of useless because none of those, right? They didn't. They didn't become anything. Nope. Um, yeah, I don't even know if this bread at Subway is vegan now. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna say it's not because I don't want to slander that. At least back then, you had there were only certain ones. That right. Were vegan. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so the the new the new uh, fresh take hotline. Maybe the new we should fresh take hotline somebody. is the phone number. Oh, wait, so we should set up what it is for people who don't know. Again, I can't assume that everybody's been listening to us for five years. Um, <laughs> or anybody. Or any, anybody, yeah, right. Um, uh, this is an opportunity for you to call, leave a message. We're not going to answer it. It's going to go straight to voicemail. Um, but leave a message with your question. We want to hear your questions in your voice so that we can play that on the air and answer the questions. Yes, and your voice will probably be on the air if you, if you leave a message on this. Yes. I mean, if it's a nice message. That's, it's that's a legitimate the, question. That's the point, is that we can, like, play community members, listeners. Right. Play their, play their questions, let them tell their own story, and ask their own question, and then we respond to it. Yeah, just not too long of a story. Just keep the story No, I, I mean, I'm sure it cuts you off after, like, a minute or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Good. All right, so the number for that is Asheville area code 828-585-6585. I, like I tried that. to I tried to get something that spelled something and uh, I couldn't do it. They won't let you do that anymore. So uh-huh. I, I picked the number that seemed less complicated. Eight two eight five eight five six five eight five. It's a lot of fives. A lot Are of we to post it somewhere? Should we post it somewhere? I don't know where we'd post it. I don't know. Yeah, you could uh, you could tweet it. <laughs> 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 That'll make sure it gets out into the world. <laughs> yeah. Everyone will see it then. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Eight two eight five eight five six five eight five. Give us yep. a call. Leave yeah. us a message. Yeah, we'll play it on the play. on the radio. If we get machine. enough of them, we could do a we could do a, one of those ever popular questions episodes where we just mm-hmm. string together a bunch of questions and answer them. That's always fun. Yeah. So yes, good. All right. Uh, moving on. Today's episode topic is my. I don't really want to call it a race. The training one run that I did as a race, the marathon. Um, yes. My first official marathon in 10 years, I believe. Wow. I know. I think the last marathon that I did was the one that we did together uh, with the Nomad Athlete Group at the Rock and Roll DC really? or something. Yep. I think wow. it was 2012. And I believe it was before I moved to Asheville. So it was very likely, almost exactly 10 years to the day from this, this race. Um, but, of course, I had run... 
ultras and things, even a 28-mile run this past New Year's Day um, in between. But it, they weren't official marathons, so this was an actual one. So that was interesting. Um, I did it in Florida. It was the, the Tomoka Marathon down in Florida in mm-hmm. uh, Ormond Beach. I happened to be in Orlando for some soccer, the soccer thing that my son was doing. Uh, and then on the way back, my mom lives in St. Augustine, so I, on the way to her place <clears throat> is this Ormond Beach. So it seemed like a perfect place to uh, to do a marathon, which I had to do because I had to get for this training run. And we've a bunch of episodes now talking about this new uh, training philosophy I'm trying, which is kind of a CrossFit endurance inspired thing where you don't do a lot of high mileage training runs. You don't do like a bunch of 20 milers. Um, you just you, you mostly like some 13 mile runs, a 15 and an 18. In my case, the 18 was meant to be on trails since I was planning on doing an ultra marathon on trails. Uh, but I didn't want to do a trail run because I don't really like trail running that much these days. So I said I'll just run longer than that, but not on trails. So I figured a marathon uh, would be about equivalent, maybe a little more, but that's okay. Um, and it's supposed to be time trial. These these races, these long runs, I mean, are they're all done, like almost all of them are done at, at race pace. So you're, you're not doing the long, slow distance almost at all. Um, and so I figured, what better than just to sign up for a marathon and kind of race it? Uh, that'll work out really nicely. And, and I like the idea anyway of doing races instead of the long runs because, for me, the boredom factor is is perhaps the biggest driving thing in why I have not been a runner for, for a long time. Um, so if I can do the long runs on races or as races, it just makes it more fun and you know feels more like an event, and it's not, not miserable for me. This one turned out to be miserable for me, though, because... Uh, I did not. I did not do a good job of pacing myself. Um, so let me just give you the. I don't want to go into a full race like recap here, but uh-huh. the, the high level version of how it went out, turned out is that. Um, so I had, my last run had been a thirteen uh, half marathon, which I also did a race in Charlotte. Uh, I was really happy with that result. It took me one forty three or something, and it was a pretty hilly course. So um, I I kind of figured that would be equivalent to around a one forty on a half on a on a flat half course, which would be equivalent by the way these calculators go to a 330 marathon so i thought that's great like if i can do a 330 marathon i would be pretty pretty stoked about that because that would be my my boston qualifying the best marathon i ever did was a 310 309.59 uh and so to think that like i can go i don't know what it's been eight years without like running any races at all and really not a lot of running just kind of general keeping in shape um go that long and like get back within a few months of good training. If I can get back to within 20 minutes of my best marathon ever, that's pretty good. And that would mean to me that like I could, I may be only three months from a, from a 320 marathon and maybe only three more months from a 310 again. And like, that'd be amazing to be back in that kind of shape that quickly and would be faster than I get getting back to that shape faster than I would have ever anticipated. Isn't so it, isn't it great when you, uh, when you're, when you're training and you're just thinking, Oh, what if, what if I could run a 330 marathon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds so easy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I take it that didn't happen. That didn't happen, and and I, I still don't quite know why. Um, I have a couple different theories, but like for the most part, these these charts and calculators that and this one, by the way, was from the Run Less, Run Faster book, which I really still like a lot. Uh, it's what I used to qualify for Boston when I did. But th- this is like you know that that's it's their thing that <clears throat> calls a 330 marathon equivalent to a to a 140 half the equivalency of course is dependent on like that you actually are doing the the distance and that that was one big exception that's that i wasn't doing a lot of long distance i wasn't really trained any differently for this marathon than i was for a half marathon two weeks earlier 
and had never in this training gone beyond 13 miles. So that was one reason where I, why I should have been more cautious. But unfortunately, I don't know if that was a problem. And I, I'm kind of disappointed in how I mentally handled this because, because my race didn't go very well. I, I don't really know, like the wheels fell off way before the, those later miles, the ones that I would have kind of been curious about to like, how do I hold up in the later miles? Um, without having done a bunch of 20 mile runs, uh, I didn't get to that point to, to even know. So like I started running, I started running at this, the pace for a three thirty. I think it's about an eight minute pace. And like three miles in, I, I realized this was way too fast and I was hot and I was like sweating a lot. And so like, that's another sort of <clears throat> thing that I didn't count. I, I, I knew this race would be really flat compared to my half marathon, but I wasn't thinking about heat at all. Cause heat's never bothered me much, hmm. but perhaps from having trained, just throughout most of this winter, um, it just felt really hot. And it wasn't that hot. It was like 72 or 74 or something, but very humid. And I just, I felt awful. Like, I don't, I'm not ever the the, the guy who takes off his shirt in the marathon, uh, but I was that guy in this marathon. So like three miles in, I was, I was struggling and I was trying to move my number to my shorts as I was running. And I just, I just, at that point, I felt awful. I was like, this is, this is shaping up to be a really bad race. Uh, but so I did that, threw my shirt in the trash can, felt a lot better. <laughs> Just threw it away. I mean, I like it. yeah, it was, I mean, it was an old, old Navy, uh, active wear shirt or something that I've had for three not years. A, not so. a 10,000 shirt. It was not a 10,000. I was going to wear the 10,000, but I had, I had in an unfortunate series of events, I had mildewed the 10,000 shirt. Like oh, I, no. you know how like, well, in college, all my shirts, clothes always felt, smelled like mildew because uh-huh. I would. I would wash them and then I would leave them for two days in the washer before I'd move them over to the dryer (laughs) and they just would be awful. Uh Well, somehow I did that with this one. Um, And so I put it on and I just said, I'm not going to wear this. I can't deal with the smell the whole race. Uh, So, oh, by the way, I also forgot my watch. I didn't have a watch for this, Uh for this. So how are you, how are you following your pace? There was a pace group. Oh, you were running with the pace group. Yeah. And I think they were going too fast. I heard the guys tell someone they were 10 seconds under after three miles. And I think he meant 10 seconds per mile. At least I assume that based on how I felt. Um, so I, I don't really know. But anyway, it just, it, it wasn't a good start at all. And, uh-huh. and by the time I got, so, and like, my biggest mistake though is at that point, it wasn't that I started at that pace. It was that at that point when I knew this was not going to go well, and, and I, I've just done this enough to know when it feels like a pace that you can't sustain for the whole marathon. Uh, I didn't, I didn't stop that. I didn't slow down. I just kind of like, after I changed my shirt, I was maybe 30 seconds behind the pace group or I got rid of my shirt. Um, and that's when I should have said, okay, this is not happening. And maybe if I'd had a watch, I would have said, okay, here's my new pace and I'm going to stick to this and that's fine. But I didn't, and I didn't want to lose sight of the pace group. So I kind of stayed with them so that I wouldn't fall back to the 345 group. Uh, and like by mile 10, I was like, this is, I'm going to have trouble finishing this race. It wasn't like, it just wasn't, it just wasn't good. So that was my biggest mistake is that I kept going then. And I think that has to do with having gone all these years without racing because, uh, you know, I know enough to be, or I, I knew enough enough to be really afraid of that feeling because it's, it's an awful feeling when you're spent and you still have half the marathon to go uh, and you're counting down miles and they're taking forever. And you realize at mile 15 that, like, even once you run five more, you're still going to be having to count down those final six. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it's just, it's just the worst. Um, so anyway, that's, that's how it went. I was actually quite proud of myself that I didn't like hit the point where you just give up and just start walking. Uh, I had a few little walk breaks once I got into the twenties, but they were, you know, a minute each or something. 
Uh, so I was actually pretty happy with like how I how I, <clears throat> I guess toughed it out for lack of a better word, but it was just stupid. And and the result of having having made that mistake early on is that now, you know, I didn't get the training run that I wanted. This wasn't some great disappointment as a race because it was I signed up for it two days before it, um, to to make the training run not boring basically. Right. But you know now I don't really know what pace I actually was in shape to run Could that 26 run. miles in. Okay. Yeah. Cause I just told, Oh, I ended up, ended up finishing in three fifty seven or something. Uh, you know, and it was the thing where you see the different pace groups pass you and stuff. Oh, and it's just, the worst. <laughs> yeah, the it was worst. the worst, yeah. but it wasn't, it, it was not the worst because I wasn't raced. I mean, I was racing, but like this wasn't the race that my whole thing was built around. Um, for a little while I had some of those feelings of like, cause like I, when I have those feelings of the pace groups passing you, I didn't really realize this until today or this week. Um, when it was happening, but like so much of that, the worst feeling of seeing those pace groups pass you is, is that you've told a lot of people and you know, people were caring about how you do, even if it's just like your friends and family, but like, I don't know. There's all, the, all this like guilt, like associated for me associated with like not being able to do what I, what I set out to do or what I told people I was going to do. Um, and just watching those pace groups go by and knowing that you're going to have to kind of explain this somehow. I don't, and it's weird that that's like a part of, racing when like in reality no one really cares that much what happens in your race (laughs) but as i was thinking it i was like it's kind of nice that i have not really like that this isn't my race and that and that this whole time i've been training i haven't really talked about a a specific race that i'm training for uh i don't know it was kind of like i really like this idea of not not really talking that much about (laughs) what you're trying to do uh it served me really well when when i did a lot of it in the old days but Uh it's kind of nice just to do this and not I'm not worried. Do you think that had more. had you told a lot of people that you would have had more? Like, do you think it was a mental thing that slowed you down, or you just couldn't no, do it? Like, no. his legs weren't. I I just it. I mean, I, I knew by three miles that it was not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was either the heat, or it was possibly that that you know the the strategy in this book of doing long runs, racing your long runs every time you do them. Uh, that having raced a half marathon two weeks earlier, even though I felt like I was recovered from that, perhaps I actually wasn't, and perhaps that took more out of me than I realized, and to try to turn around and then do an equivalent marathon to that uh, is, is tough. I don't know. But but I don't I don't think it was that because I just like it, – it's crazy to me that I couldn't keep up my half marathon pace for, for you know, for five miles. That Like something was, was not right, and I think it was the heat, which is strange, but I think that's what it was because that was the most uncomfortable thing for me. Had you run much between the half and the – No, not really much. I had done a couple little workout runs, nothing long. Um but you know, done some 400 and 800 meter interval workouts where, where I was like huffing and puffing at the end of 30 minutes. Like it was, they were hard workouts. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I neglected training, but no, I hadn't done that much. And with the travel that didn't, I didn't do almost anything in the taper week. Yeah. So anyway, Interesting. um, yeah. And, and so like, it's, it's part of this weird training where thankfully it was just a training run. And because of that, it didn't feel too bad then because of that I could still at the end feel like I was kind of proud of myself for hanging in there and not giving up uh but it also made me like we talked a little bit a couple weeks ago about the pose method and how that had this unanticipated effect of of giving me all this calf soreness and so that i felt that and certainly in mile you know 15 to 20 my my calves were were hurting me and then somehow it went away um but that combined with not really getting the data point that says yes a half or a marathon was pretty easy so now you're ready for an ultra marathon uh, which maybe I would have gotten had I had I done this intelligently, uh, but without that, I'm think the race that I had planned. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go one 
go a little later, a month or two later than I had planned. That's why you kept it secret, huh? That, exactly. And now I don't feel now I don't feel bad. There's not some big deal about Matt Fraser doesn't do his race. It's all over <laughs> which, which certainly right would have been yeah, certainly would have just been Doug, <laughs> Doug's downward facing. It would have been just huge, huge down. yeah, waves in the vegan world. <laughs> if I didn't do my ultra marathon. Uh-huh. Okay, so I think this is really interesting, and and, and to me, you know, obviously this is. Uh, when you first, when we first kind of were brainstorming here about the topic, and um, you know, I threw out the idea of like discussing what to do when your race goes bad, and you're like, "Yeah, oh, this wasn't really a race, though. It was like part of the training." I think this is it leads to an interesting uh, topic of what to do when your training's not going the way, and, and how to adjust your kind of goals and your schedules, just like you're, you're talking about doing here. Um, mm-hmm. But before we get into that, why don't we pause for a second to thank our sponsor? Okay. This episode is brought to you by Feels. CBD isn't about what you feel, it's about what you don't feel. Stress, anxiety, pain. Feels is a premium CBD that will help you keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free, delivered directly to your door. Everybody loves that. CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There's no hangover or addiction. Place a few drops of Feels underneath your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that Finding your right dose is important, and everybody's dose is different. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline, which is really cool, to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. The Feels customer service team is dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. Matt, I think uh, I think everybody, all of our loyal listeners, every single one of them knows that I'm, I'm a CBD guy. Mm-hmm. They do that. I, I take CBD... Most evenings, uh, especially when I'm feeling anxious or, or having trouble sleeping, it's uh, it's it's just it's it's like a little thing I do, you know, before I brush my teeth, kind of as I'm winding down for the evening, to help calm the mind, mm-hmm. and uh, and make sure that I'm not gonna spend the next few hours tossing and turning in bed all night stressing about whatever. I like it. My wife, similar, similar usage pattern of CBD. And uh, I even, since I've gotten my new feels, have been, have been trying their little CBD mints that they have. And I've been yes. doing those. Yeah. CBD. This is a real cool thing. They have these new mints that have CBD in it. It's like a little thing you can just pop during the day. And, uh, and again, it's not about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel with feels. Feels monthly membership makes <laughs> your self-care easy. <laughs> You'll save money on every order so you can and you can pause or cancel them at any time. Go to feels.com slash no meat and you'll save 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash no meat. Very nice, Doug. You kind of sound like Rich Roll in that, in that ad. Oh, yeah? That's, Just, I'll I take that compliment. Had, had some of his, his tones. Hmm. I mean, man, that's a... Sorry, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's see. What to do when your training isn't going as planned? So yes. I think that this I think this happens a lot, and it certainly happened to me, right? You uh, you have you set off with great intentions, pick mm-hmm. a race. You know, most people, uh, and we would even advise this for we have advised this for many years of kind of announcing it out to the world to help hold yourself accountable. Um, you know, you kind of, you picked your thing, maybe you signed up for it, maybe you spent hundred bucks, 150 bucks on a big ultra marathon mm-hmm. or big, uh, big marathon. 
and uh, and then training just isn't going as planned. Maybe you get injured, maybe you have life comes up and you miss a couple long runs, and you're just feeling discouraged uh, about how things are going, or you're doing your long runs, or you're. Um, and this uh, this is probably where, where I can relate the most is um, I have a vision of getting faster, you know, of, of progressing within my training, and I'm just not seeing the results that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you do? You know, do you do you give up? Do you double down? Do you rethink things? That's that's the question. That's yeah. the question, I guess. I, yeah, that is the question. And and I'm obviously there's not one answer. Um I, I'm trying to put myself in, in the shoes of a more traditional training. Because like for me there were so many unknowns with this wacky way of training that I'm doing, like that it's with marathon training or ultra marathon training without long runs that that enough that itself is enough to say this is this is a crazy idea um not to mention like trying to do this on a very short timeline um of getting back in shape and kind of becoming a runner again which i just hadn't been for so long uh so like i had so many unknowns in here that i think i i have never actually committed to anything other than like in my mind like maybe that would be my target race um so in this case like for me the answer is very obvious it's just just do a later ultra marathon than I had planned. Um, I'll bring up another kind of change of course that has, has occurred to me a little bit recently uh, in kind of a positive way, but that's, that's just slightly in it on a different topic. So I won't go there just yet. Um, but yeah, I guess like the hard part for me would be like, what if like in a more typical one, like you said, like you've committed to a race, you've paid money for it. Uh, mm-hmm. You've, you've built your training around it. You've done some amount of building up for that exact date. Uh, and then, and then for whatever reason, let's say you miss two long runs in a row, or maybe you miss one and then you try to try to either make it up or try to get the next one. And it just doesn't go well for whatever reason you weren't prepared. Now it just feels like a big setback. Uh, yeah. And I mean, and, and let's be real. A lot of people choose a race because they're excited about that race. Right. Uh, especially in the trail running world, you know, maybe it's not that you want to run a 50 miler, but you want to run a specific 50 miler or you want to run Boston or some sort of other like big hometown marathon that you're you know that you know you're kind of lucky that i mean i don't you you haven't even shared with me what this race is so i don't i don't know exactly (laughs) uh what it is you think what what it is you're going through but um i'm assuming that it's kind of you have a distance in mind or a type of race in mind and and you can find another one a couple months later that's what you yes exactly exactly um so a lot of people don't have that option uh yeah so i think i mean the advice i always gave people was like don't try to make up a missed long run. I, I just feel like, or even a missed workout. Like maybe if you can somehow manage to get it in the very next day, um, then then fine. But like once you've missed a weekend long run, to, if you start trying to get your long run done on a Tuesday or somehow get it done the next weekend and then like miss the planned reduction in miles the following weekend, I would say you're better off just, just not trying to make it up. Uh, so I, I don't think... When you said doubling down is one option, I don't. If, if that's what your definition of doubling down is, and I'm not saying yours is, but mm-hmm. I don't think you should do that because I think you're just kind of asking for trouble then, and you'll just kind of have compounding issues if you if you try to take what didn't you know training that hasn't been ideal for the past say two to three weeks, and then you try to do an even better than ever next three weeks that includes an extra long run or something. Um, I just think that's kind of asking for for too much too much trouble. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think you should do that. I think probably the very best thing you can do is is just like lessen your expectations or reduce your expectations. Sure. Uh, 
you can still do your hometown race. You can still do this big 100-miler or whatever. Um, if you don't have a time goal that is meaningful, like if you can just adjust that time goal down by five minutes or ten minutes, then that's what you should do to me. Like if you have the, the luxury of doing that, then that's the best thing. Because honestly, like missing three weeks of long runs, as much as that sounds like a, just a, a nightmare – you know, training, like it's, it's not that big of a deal. If you've been running for years and you have a solid bait, like it's not like your body knows some huge difference that you didn't do your long runs for three weeks. Uh, you won't be making quite the progress you could. You're not going to peak at exactly the perfect time anymore, but it's not like you don't know how to run anymore. Uh, so I think it's probably not as big a deal as you think. I think if you actually truly in your head, adjust the time goal downward and you don't make the mistake that I did this past weekend and like, you know, still kind of grasp at this thing that you thought you might be able to do and then end up with a disaster, uh, you know, you'll be fine. I, I, I really think that's probably the, the biggest answer. But the downside of that, obviously, is you don't get to do whatever the, the initial goal might have been. Right? If, yeah, if your time goal was a qualifying for Boston, then you're not going to get that anymore if you, if you follow this plan. Yeah. So I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think that that is uh, sage advice. Um the thing I would add to that, though, is is to, you know, I, I think that a lot of people, a lot of runners, especially if it's, you know, your first time running a distance, something like that, are really, uh, you know, look at their training plan as, as like, a Bible, right? You yeah. Know, this, you yeah. have to follow it to the letter. You can't mess up. If you miss something, it's super stressful. If you don't hit your, you know, the, the time goals that it suggests you might, should meet, then, then, uh then you're failing, then it's not working in some other way. Uh, we've talked about this before. Usually it's a bunch of schmucks like me putting together a training plan who, you know, are just making it up as we go along. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but, you know, oftentimes, I mean, the, the, a training plan, especially a general training plan that is kind of written for the public that a lot of people are using, I mean, it, it, like no one is going to train the same way and no one's going to have the same experience with that plan. And so you can't um, you can't look at it as, the definitive i have to do everything exactly as it's written because things happen and and you have to adjust and so what i think the best advice i can give someone who is um who is struggling through a training plan is maybe missing certain goals um if long runs are harder than they should be if speed workouts are harder than they should be like try to figure out try to diagnose what it is the, that's causing the problem right and and, you know, I know that you, you may not have an expertise in, in that distance or that type of training or something like that. But, you know, if you sit back and actually, like, think about it, you can probably figure it out, right? So maybe you're doing a lot of your weekday runs in the evening after work, but your long runs are early mornings, and, and that's a struggle. So maybe you should shift your some of your weekday runs to the morning so you can get more accustomed to that, you know, especially if, that, if like, heat is, a, heat is an issue if you're doing most of your training runs in the dark and then suddenly your long runs are in the heat of the day and you're, and that's the way the marathon would be or the race would be, then, then you should probably do a little bit more heat training or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, uh, if you're just showing up to the track every time for your speed workout and your legs are sore and, uh, they're just not ready for a hard track workout, maybe you need to take the, the day prior off or be a little bit, you know, lessen the load a couple of days prior so that you're a little bit more rested and primed for that speed workout. You know, it could be, 
or maybe you're not fueling properly. It could be so many different things that are contributing to the fact that your training isn't going quite as, as planned. And so if you can, if you can take a step back and say, okay, I need to adjust this plan to, to help fit, to help get me back on track or to help get me to a place where I feel like I'm progressing the way as I should, you know, let's diagnose what the problem is and, and then go from there. Yeah. Uh, and when you talk about track workouts, like to me, the, the, I've been doing a lot of training recently and also with, with the Boston training, like it was always that you, you show up for a workout and you know exactly what the pace is you're supposed to run that day for mm-hmm. these 400s and these 800s and whatever else. Um, if you like just go down a level with those, if you go down to a, yeah. to the five minute slower marathon, like suddenly the track workout isn't this big, scary thing that like the whole time you're struggling to keep up the pace and you're always worried that like, you know, your next interval is going to be the one where you fail. Uh, that's just like kind of mentally taxing, and I think if you just if you just are willing to go down a notch, then not to say that it's going to give you the same workout because it's obviously it's not. But like if if things aren't working, then then something is wrong, and perhaps easing up on the paces will will you know, maybe just give you that time or space to sort of help figure it out. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like again, if you do that, you're you're kind of giving up on whatever time goal you might have had, uh, and the longer you do, the longer you are deviating from the plan obviously the, the more that's true sure. um and so that's that's like again is still that's the hard part that's always going to be there and like to go really big picture it just to me this comes down to having expectations versus not having expectations and if you have them you're you're exposing yourself to to this kind of uh you know disappointment that that's just that's the nature of expectations right like they they're they're great and i like having big goals but like your happiness should not be tied. We've said this so many times. Your happiness should not be tied to the getting of those goals. It should be really, it's it's the progress towards them that is the happiness. So like, if you can, if you can, from the outset, like say, this is my goal, I'd like to get this. But I also recognize that the whole thing, the real reason for all this is the progress and like the, is the, the process. Um, then you see this is just part of the process and it's not a huge disaster that now you, you aren't going to make the time you wanted on this particular race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that goes back to the goal itself of, you know, and setting a reasonable goal. I mean, I, I can think of yeah. my first my first marathon. I'd never run a marathon. I'd never, I mean, I had run a half, but it had been many, many years prior. Um, and uh, I had this goal. I had no idea what I was going for. You know, I think I chose 350 because that's what my friend ran a, a marathon. In, and I was like, oh, uh-huh. well, you know, I, I can do that. But I, I had no idea. I was making it all up. I was doing all these track workouts because I was running uh, probably a intermediate plan, not a first-timer plan, mm-hmm. um, and, and trying to keep up with the paces for that 350 or 345 or whatever it was. Marathon. It was my first marathon, and, and I, just, I just had no idea what I was doing. And so you know, when I finished in 420, I, I'm making that number up. I don't remember, but it was well over my, my goal. Um, it was just kind of like, why did I put myself through all that pain and dis- and like frustration <laughs> right. throughout the entire thing? It would go weeks without being able to walk right. Um, <laughs> and uh, why did I do that? When I should have just taken a step back, I should have said, the goal is to finish. Let me find a beginner plan that's just going to get me to finish and and feel better. I probably would have run a faster race, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's so, I mean, it's still hard to have that mindset, like have that, because I agree that that is the, best mindset you can probably have um 
is, is really just be patient. Like understand that you, it's okay to have a really good, big, exciting goal, but it's also okay that you're not going to get it this very next marathon you do. And the sooner you can realize that, the better. Um, but I, I think it's hard when you're young, especially, and you haven't done this, you haven't experienced what you experienced and what I've experienced this, this failure. Like when I was trying to qualify for Boston, I, every time I thought, I thought this next marathon was going to be my 310 and I would train at the paces that meant that was, that was, would do that. Um, and then I'd run a 350 or a 340 because I was nowhere near in shape for that. And I would always get injured as a result and then end up, you know, having to scrap together a race day somehow. Um, and it's just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just hard to understand that until you've done it. Uh, yeah, but, it but is. the sooner it you is. can, the sooner you can adjust and, and, you know, have, have a more realistic or, or less expectations, uh, the better which again is not to say don't have the big goal you you totally should mm-hmm. uh but just you can't you can't tie all your you know short-term happiness to whether or not this marathon goes the way you want it to and i i think that that um i think that that applies mostly to a beginner or someone who is doing a distance for the first time yeah right yeah you know, once, once once you've run that marathon you have a feel for what it is or you've run that 50k and, and suddenly you're like okay now i want to go under a certain time or I want to uh, do it better, you know, then, then it's like more reasonable to pick that harder plan and, and, and push yourself more um, than if it's yeah, your first Yeah, time. definitely. But I think you, but as, as we're saying, like you might, you still very likely might, or will get halfway into the training and realize that what you, what you thought was still a little bit unrealistic. Right. And yeah. so like at, at that point, like it takes some maturity to be able to say like, I'm, I'm going to adjust. And, and that's again, like, I made the, this past weekend made this exact mistake. I, right, I should have had more maturity on race day to say when I was at mile three that this is not going to happen like I wanted. Like I should have accepted that then and just adjusted. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a really nice microcosm for what we're talking about, right? If you if you make that adjustment early enough, you can end up with something that isn't really that bad. But right. but if you right. just keep trying to hang on to something that is you're not capable of doing, it's it's you know you end up with something way way worse than what you could have had you had you just sort of settled uh-huh. or maybe more maturity now to acknowledge that it wasn't the heat that was the problem it was this crazy way of training <laughs> just kidding can't do that just yet uh <laughs> I'm, I'm still happy with this and so actually that brings me to my uh my my little uh what's, what's the word no my digression that's what i was looking for mm. um probably will be my final thought um but I so like when I once I got this three thirty marathon in mind, and, and that was as soon as I ran the three or the one forty three half and felt really great at the end. Like I had felt stronger than I did at the end of that half than I had felt at the at the end of almost any race. Um, it just felt good, and my my times hadn't my, my mile times had stayed consistent. Uh, just felt very strong at the end. Uh, I started thinking, man, like if I if I got myself into three thirty marathon shape already, and I was you know obviously making a leap there to assume that was the same as three thirty marathon shape. Uh, I started thinking like, man, like what, like if, what if I can get back to Boston qualify my old Boston qualifying time, which by the way is, is now my Boston time again, because they made it harder, uh, for a while. So for, <laughs> so for the past few years, I think my, my time has been like three hours or maybe even two fifty or two fifty five. I don't know. But now that I'm over 40, I'm back to three ten again as my, as my BQ time, okay. uh, which I don't really care that much about again. Like it's not, it's not on my list to go do Boston again. Uh, but it would be awesome to run the same time that I did 10 years ago when I was at my very best. Like, that would be an amazing accomplishment for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back then, after I did that, 
before I went down the ultra running road, and maybe even a little bit after, I was thinking a three-hour marathon, that would be like really awesome to get a 250-something. Like that, that'd be incredible. Just something I would have never, ever thought that I could do. And at that point, I thought, you know, I, if that's what I set out to do, I think I probably could manage to do it. Uh, so now, 10 years later, as I, I think about 3.30 and having gotten to this with only three months of like actual training, I was thinking like, I don't know, like, like maybe this training plan is really good. Like, what, like maybe this is the perfect fit for me, this kind of stuff without all the long runs and lots and lots of right. speed work, lots of strength. Like maybe that's, maybe that's going to turn out to be the way that I eventually run a three hour marathon, which would be, which would be awesome. So when I started thinking that way, I started thinking this ultra marathon I had in mind is kind of a, uh, a distraction from what, what I should be focusing on, which is running faster marathons. So <laughs> I, I guess I'm bringing it up as an example of good or bad, but I think, I think a positive one of like, if you're, if you don't have really big commitments and you're kind of just experimenting, like it's kind of nice to be able to just change courses. Like now I wrote a blog post and we did a, a, a podcast with titles about training for an ultra marathon with no long runs or something. Uh, so I guess in that way, I've made a small commitment to, to our people that I'm training for an ultra marathon, but that honestly doesn't matter very much to me. Um, I don't know. Like if I was, if I just wanted to shift gears and, and see if I could run fast marathons, uh, and then, you know, once, once I'm happy with that, go do an ultra marathon a couple weeks later, because, because then I'll probably be in decent shape for one. Um, I don't know. It, it seemed kind of exciting again. So that's. I don't think that's what I'll do. I think I'll I'll still do some kind of ultra, mm-hmm. uh, just to sort of make good on my whatever commitment it was to to do one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm it's just I really I for whatever reason I just love those uh, the the track style workouts, and I'm not going to a track for them. But like just figuring out what the distance is that I need, like what my little 800 is in my in my neighborhood. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I just, I just like how I feel at the end of those. I like being able to have a very precise time and watching that time go down week to week. Hmm. Um, and, and to me, they're not boring. Like each one is, they're broken up in this way that it keeps them interesting. And they're just, it's not like running slow miles. What's a, what's a workout you're, a common workout you're doing right now? Um, you know, something like eight, four hundreds with, with two minutes in between or two thirty in between. Uh, and, and the pace is, you know, it's, I think in my back of my Boston, qualifying days the best i did on like a a 10 by 400 workout was 120 or something for the for the 400 80 seconds um i forget what the what the amount of rest was in between them but i'm not quite at that um i'm usually doing them at more like 130 for a 400 um but i don't know i just i just really like those they're nice i don't know why they just they just feel good it feels it feels like more like i'm being an athlete than i'm being a runner uh Uh Which is not to say that runners aren't athletes, but like, there's just such a difference between how I feel at the end of that than I feel after grinding out slow miles for a long time. So yeah, I don't know. I get that. I can't. I can I cannot even remember the last time I did a slow <laughs> workout. <laughs> I know. That's not to say, not to say I haven't done workouts. I've done you know. Yeah, uh, of course. Like different types of tempo workouts and mm-hmm. things like that. Far legs, but uh, a track style workout can't even remember <laughs> yep i know and that's that's the, that's the cool thing about running we can do all different kinds of training yeah and get the same result maybe well this is good matt this is uh congratulations on your marathon i'm sorry it didn't go as planned um 
It's all right. Thank you. But, yeah, it's still yeah. a long way to run. It's great. Definitely, it was. I was. I was. It was. It was fun to to be at the finish line of a marathon. I was. I was in real pain. Like I haven't suffered like that since uh, I don't know when. Probably. Probably one of my fifty milers. Because my hundred, I definitely didn't suffer like this. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't. I don't know. My, I just didn't suffer that much in the hundred. But but I had a fifty, where I think I was like it was the Vermont fifty, and I made it about thirty five miles in before. I just was like, how am I ever, ever going to run 15 more miles? And somehow I did, but I was, I did it in immense pain. Um, mm. And this was, this was almost that. Like there was, I don't know. It just, it just was not, not a good, not a good last 10 miles. Well, been there, done that, don't want to do yeah. it again. Everyone's been there. I know. Right. And now, now that I've been there recently, I think I won't do it again. But I, mm. I think I had to re-experience just do you think? Bad. Do you think, so what's your next long run going to be? Do you know yet? I don't know. That's and that's that's an interesting question. Not not interesting enough to to spend much time on <laughs> at all. But like I found myself after this run, I found myself like really missing some of the kettlebell training because I haven't done that. I've had this little back thing, sciatic nerve pain. Um, it's kind of a very weird thing where if I if I miss like one glute, if I roll it on a ball, my opposite side of my back hurts. So f- so for a while I was like not doing kettlebell swings, and after I f- finished this marathon and like I felt like I now checked off one of these little milestones, I found myself really looking forward to just getting back to the kettlebell training and doing, uh, especially once I said in my head that like the ultra marathon, I don't need to get it done on the schedule I thought I did or thought I would. Um, I was like, I just want to do these track workouts and these kettlebell workouts and not do any anything like these 13-mile long runs and just kind of do what I'm enjoying. And then you know, sort of revisit in, in three months and start ramping up for something again. Um, but I don't know that that's, that's changing of course more than I planned. So I, I don't know if I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited to, to follow along. It's been an interesting, yep. interesting ride so far. It is. It is interesting. It's been fun. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Well, thanks Sounds for listening, good. everybody. Hey, should we, uh, shout out the phone number again? Yes, please. Let's shout out that number. 828-585-6585. There we go. Memorize it. Put it in your phone. Anytime you just need to chat, just give us a call. (laughs) Yeah, do that. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks.